This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, we hear from Sister Mary Monica, a sister of the Immaculate Heart of Mary in Wichita, as she tells us how she surrendered to Jesus. One body, stewarding God's creation. One body. Sister Mary Monica is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. Sister Mary Monica professed her final vows on November 24th, 2018. She is currently teaching church history and prayer and liturgy at Cape and Mount Carmel Catholic High School in Wichita, Kansas. Welcome. Thank you very Woo, much. That was a mouthful. We know that all good things begin with prayer. So would you lead us in a prayer before we get to. started? Yep. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful opportunity to proclaim your good news here on Catholic Radio. And we call upon the Holy Spirit to be with us, and especially our Blessed Mother, as we give all praise and honor to you through our words. And we just ask that you place it on the hearts of benefactors of this Catholic radio station, um, that they would be generous and that all glory would be given to you through their donations. Mm -hmm. And we ask through the intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Really beautiful. All right. So again, we're talking with Sister Mary Monica. Um, she's with the Immaculate Heart of Mary Sisters, and uh, we're going to hear about her vocation story. So share with us just, you know, give us a little bit of background first before we dive into that. Share with us a little bit about your upbringing and what your faith was like growing up. I grew up in Colby, as you had mentioned earlier. Um, I belong to a wonderful family. My parents are just so encouraging and supportive all my life, and I, I know that I've been very blessed to have them as my parents. Um, I've had a best friend since I was in the womb, my mm -hmm. twin sister. Uh, we had a, a beautiful life growing up. We lived in the country um, for my early times as a child, and um, there's really just nothing like living in the country and being, being able to explore, and just, we just had a lot of fun together. Uh, we grew up in the Sacred Heart Parish, a wonderful, supportive parish, and I was very active in CYO in high school, and that really helped form just my love for Holy Mother Church. Mm. So I. My sister and I were very active in the CYO in Colby. Um, we loved doing service work. We loved um, going to CCD classes on Wednesday nights. So I had, that really formed us in our years just to be grounded in the church. Mm -hmm. And and that was just a wonderful time. I always think back to here in Salina Diocese, you know, CYO conventions or going to NCYC with our with our wonderful diocese here, my family. Uh, I just remember, you know, it's Advent right now, and so I know my mom would always put the Advent wreath out on the table, and we'd have a little prayer service with our Advent wreath. 
So just little traditions that we would have in our household that really helped form us as yeah. children. When was your your first encounter with the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, or maybe even before that, when did you really start thinking mm-hmm. you might have a religious vocation? Well, I, I, we've, I've known the St. Joseph Sisters here in this diocese. My great aunt is a St. Joseph Sister in Concordia, yeah. Sister Loretta Claire Flax. And, um, and so she was always a part of our holidays with my Augustine family. And so I saw her beautiful witness as a religious growing up. Yeah. And, you know, being in CYO, you can't help but remember Sister Barbara Ellen yeah. and all her work that she did for the diocese and for the youth. I went off to college and um, at Fort Hayes State, when I was working on my master's degree, I went on a retreat through the campus center. And at that retreat, uh, we had a vocation panel with the sisters. And it was the first time meeting the IHMs. And I, I was just struck. Mm-hmm. There was something about them, something so beautiful. I witnessed their joy and their love for their life and for the church. And you know, it was at that time on this retreat that I, I talk about it as like my seed of my vocation really started to bloom. And it took a long time until I even got the courage to, to say yes to the vocation. That's a whole story that I'm sure we'll get to. But that was my first encounter with the IHMs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a time that I actually will never forget. Just seeing the beauty of religious life through them was very inspiring. And so how did that really affect you? I mean, obviously profoundly, because here you are sitting right. across from me <laughs> as, a, as an IHM sister. So, so tell us about that in, initial encounter and how sure. it impacted you. So I, I had been in college. Um, at this point, it's my fifth year. I'm working on my master's degree in my first year. And coming back, my college years, unfortunately, were very sad time in the faith for me. I had really um, grown distant Mm. from the church and just stopped even attending mass and in the sacraments. So just kind of that on and off. Mm. So I was in a, you know, a struggling time with my faith at that point and hoping that this retreat would, would help me. So I remember going back just into my studies and that thought came to my mind, I'm never going to be able to be a sister. Mm. And uh, the reason was because I had, I had so much student loan debt at that time. Uh-huh. I had been in college for quite some time and accumulated a lot of student loan debt. Yeah. And knowing that you can't enter the convent with debt, that really saddened me. So I graduated finally and I went back to Colby and started working there. And so my discernment process is going to take another five years, which is, it was, um, it's a wonderful story looking back at it now. At the time going through it, it's not always fun to do the discernment because it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a struggle. But it's beautiful looking back at the graces God was giving me and and how he was involved the entire time. And I, and I love telling, telling the story because yeah. it gives so much glory to him. And I'm so thankful for where I am today. 
Well, at this point as well, God had a lot of work to do in my heart. Um, just getting me back to the sacraments, which this beautiful idea of surrender, that is this theme, comes into play greatly with my vocation story. So I'm in Colby. Thankfully, at this time, my twin sister and I just decide, you know, we're never going to miss Mass again. Mm-hmm. And this was really the beginning of surrendering to our Lord, uh, just saying yes mm-hmm. to His will, because ultimately He wants us back in His flock. That's where yeah. He wants us, in His heart. Yeah. And together, thankfully, my twin sister and I, she helped me so much to just come back to the faith and to the sacraments. And so we started learning about the faith which is such a big part of coming to know Christ, is just learning about the church. And so we actually started listening to the Catholic radio, mm-hmm. and I thank you for letting me be on this show because yeah. this is really where it began. I listened to Catholic An- Answers and Teresa Tamio, mm-hmm. and um, just learning more about the faith, started going to daily mass. I didn't even know there was daily mass. So, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just so much to learn, so much beauty in the faith. And during this time, I started doing a lot of spiritual reading. So just really immersing myself into this, into the church. And, and then discernment. Okay, what am I called to do? What's this vocation? Um, the sisters are always on my mind. I'm reading books by St. Therese Lisieux and Mother Teresa, and my desire is religious life very much. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I would love to be married and have children as well, because they're both very beautiful vocations. And so this is what I call the ping pong vocation discernment effect. Yeah, yeah. You know, some, one day I'm like, yes, I want to be a sister. And then I ping pong the other way. Yeah. Oh, marriage, that's what I, I know I'm called to marriage and I'll have 12 children, whatever God wants. So just back and forth, back and forth and not, not quite understanding where, where I'm supposed to be. And so in mass, my prayer after communion, it was just this spontaneous prayer, thy will be done. Mm. Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. Just show me. And, and that was my prayer, thy will be done, thy will be done. So a constant surrender. And as I look back, I just ask like, why is it taking so long? Lord, just show me. I maybe thought I'd get an audible answer. I didn't really know what to do. But looking back now, what he was doing was drawing himself closer to himself, to himself mm-hmm. drawing me closer to himself. And that's where it had to begin. I needed to form that relationship with him. I needed to know him and so that I could be his bride someday. Yeah. And so that's where, that's why the discernment, I think at least when I look back, that's why it was so long because I had to come to know him first Mm -hmm. and be drawn into his heart. And just through um, reading and learning more about religious life, that thought never went away. Mm. But there was always something, an obstacle in my way, which were my student loans. And so I thought, well, I can't pay these off and I can't enter the religious life. 
So I guess I am called to marriage. Mm. And I just kind of put religious life off for a little while. And then I got a phone call one day mm. from my friends here at Fort Hayes. And they asked me to make a, a nun run down to the IHM convent in Wichita. And I, I was on the other side thinking this would be great. And I said, okay, yes, I will do it. Let's go. And then I hung up the phone and I directly thought, no way, I can't do that. And I called her back and I said, never mind, I, I really don't want to do that. Aww. And there was just a lot of fear involved too, you know, knowing that I think I am called to religious life. There's a lot of fear in that. You know, what about my family? What about um, my sister, you know, having to leave? And, and that was not easy. So we, uh, I did call her back and I said, yes, I will go. And we made, I made my first trip to Wichita to visit the IHMs. And, um, and it was on that trip there that I thought, I, I think this is where I'm called to be. Mm. I went, actually went back um, about a month later to visit again. And just the, the overwhelming peace that I received while I was there, which was very beautiful. But um, I had to have a big conversation with the sisters about my debt. And one of the sisters mentioned um, a grant that was available through Mater Ecclesiae Fund for Vocations. And she encouraged me to come down to Wichita and move in as a candidate um, a couple months later and to work while I was down there and uh, apply for the grant. Mm -hmm. and, and this is where my vocation story, um, I think about it as like a series of yeses which goes along with the surrender. And so, you know, my first yes of just coming down and visiting the convent and coming back and just trying to learn our Lord's will to know. And, um, and then he asked me to come back in August and actually live with his sisters mm. as a candidate. Mm. And that was terrifying Yeah, to move out of Colby um, to the sisters who I've met, you know, twice at this point yeah but I but I knew that's what he wanted mm. and so I I said yes okay I I went back I I quit my job I told my parents my family you know and not easy to do but I got in the car that day and I I drove to Wichita and I moved in as a candidate with the sisters yeah and for that oh, eight months or so I had applied for the grant I was substitute teaching, um, living with the sisters. I was doing, you know, following their entire horarium, their schedule. Yeah. So really just seeing like what religious life is all about. And then the, the day came in February where I was in the church and, and Mother Mary Magdalene comes in the church. It was right before mass. And she says, come here. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and so I went outside and she showed me the email that said that I had received the full grant and that all of my wow. student loan debt was paid for. Wow. And so my name was at the very top and 
and then that was an amazing day. Mm. So something I will never forget. Mm. And she just said, you know, I, I think this is a very good sign yeah. that our Lord is wanting you here. Yeah. <laughs> and so my student loan debt was taken care of. And I actually entered about, you know, a month and a half later on May 11th, 2013 as a postulant. Mm. And with no student loan debt, and I was just really free to discern um, with the sisters if that was where our Lord was calling me to. And what year was that? And that was in 2013. So in my story, uh, yes, so I'm able to enter the convent and and it's a beautiful time. So I was a postulant for about five months or so. Um, postulancy is the first stage of religious life you enter. And it's really just a time to step away from the world. You take on, in our community, you wear a jumper and a white shirt and you're just learning about religious life and about our customs and you take classes. So when you're in early formation with our community, um, your day looks like you are taking classes, you're doing you know, some type of manual work, you're helping around the convent, you, you're praying, um, which is the most important part. Um, learning how to meditate, uh, learning how to dive into scripture. We're, learning, we're going through church documents uh, documents on religious life, the Second Vatican Council documents. Every, you know, the curriculum that I teach, you know, prayer and a liturgy class, church history, philosophy, all scripture courses. And so it's just an amazing time really to be filled and to also grow in love with our Lord mm. and to see where, where he is drawing you um, and where he's calling you. So it's very, so that's the postulancy. That's the early time. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about Surrendering to Jesus, the vocation story of Sister Mary Monica. on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. One body. One body. Surrendering to Jesus. One body. One the vocation story of Sister Mary Monica. One body. Stewarding God's Creation. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. Let's go back to, to Sister Mary Monica because we got a whole lot of her, her story to, to keep on talking about and, you know, the, the theme surrender. And it definitely, you know, it took surrender on your part, but it also took surrender on your parents' part. Yes. It took sur to surrender on your sister's part. Yes. It's huge surrender for, for everybody involved. Correct. Um, yeah. A vocation is not, is not my vocation. Yeah. My vocation it's my family is involved in it and i know that it, it took several years for us to you know just be comfortable and just to i guess just receive it um receiving the graces from the vocation and that's something that we do see a lot with our families is 
I'm not the only one who's receiving graces mm. for this vocation. Uh, my family, I know, have have grown so much in in loving in their love for the church and love for our Lord and Our Lady. And it's been just beautiful watching my parents and my sister also grow mm. in that capacity. And then we get to share it together. You know, we, we get to share our love for for this church um, together. Yeah. And that's wonderful. Yeah. So I'm going to go off script just a little bit um, because I'm sitting here wondering about your sister's vocation. Twin sister and her sister goes off to, to uh, you've been doing everything together. You've right. been, even been coming back to the faith and really embracing daily mass mm-hmm. and doing all of that together. And all of a sudden her sister, her twin sister is going off to to the convent. So so what what's she doing? What is she discerning as her vocation? Absolutely. So she is in the discernment process of marriage i mean she mm-hmm. would love to you know someday she will be a, a wonderful wife yeah. and mother and and so that's that is on her heart right now and just to have like growing building up the family which is what we need so much in our world yeah. the family needs prayers and to have men and women who would step up to that challenge to uh, live the beautiful calling of holy matrimony in a very graceful, grace-filled way. Yeah. So, you know, once you entered the convent, Mm -hmm. you know, what was the the formation process? You know, where do you go after that? So you know, I, we all yeah. we all think of the sound of music, right? Where <laughs> yes. they kneel down and shave her head and, you know, go through all that process. So tell us what it's like sure. at IHM. Okay, so I kind of talked about the postulancy, but when the community and yourself have discerned that you are called to at least discern this vocation further, yeah. you become a novice, and that's when you enter into the novitiate. Our community has a two-year novitiate, and that is more of an intense initial formation the sisters receive the white veil Mm. and they take a new name Mm. and so it is at our reception that they when mother puts the veil on the sister we all learn her new name yeah which is really exciting yeah and so maybe we can talk about that later sure so novices uh so you're a novice for two years just like a postulant you are taking classes and we have a very intense and beautiful formation because we're first off we're teachers and we need to be well formed in the faith we have a beautiful horarium where we pray so we we wake up and we wake up at 4 30 on school days (laughs) yes and we we get ready and we meditate every morning wow and so we make a 30 30 minute meditation and then we all um, go to the chapel and that is where we pray in common, um, Liturgy of the Hours. Yeah. And so we begin with morning prayer, followed directly by Mass. Mm-hmm. And we're so thankful for, we've been out at our new convent on our land for seven years now. Mm-hmm. So we have, we're just so blessed with our beautiful convent, um, the Formation House, and we have a chaplain, so we get to have Mass there. We have regular communicants who come every day and join us for Mass. And so after that, we have breakfast, and the teaching sisters, they go off to teach for the day, and the novitiate stays home. They're taking classes, they're making their daily holy hours, praying their rosary. 
making another meditation working outside. Yeah. And it's, it's really a beautiful life, building community with one another. So the teaching sisters come home around four o'clock yeah. and then we jump into the chapel yeah. and we make our own holy hour. And then we pray evening prayer together. We go and eat dinner together. So, and then we recreate together. Nice. So we have a, we have a very beautiful community life in, well, our sisters, we, yes, we have a very beautiful community life. Um, after commu uh, recreation, we have, we share points for scripture meditation the next morning together. And then we pray night prayer. And then after night prayer, we're able to, if need be, we can do some grading, lesson planning, um, stay in the chapel and pray longer, and then go to bed. So we have that grand silence after night prayer. Mm. So that's the kind of the flow of the, our day yeah. as an IHM. Yeah. And, you know, some days our, our schedule is just very beautiful. It helps us to be very grounded in our prayer life. But at the same time, since we're teaching, um, we're out there with our youth, and and that's always exciting every day. Yes. You know, I teach high schoolers, and oh, and my students. I have to say hello to them, <laughs> my Cape Mount Carmel students. Yes. Hi, guys. I don't know if you're listening, but they did say, Sister, we please give us a shout out. Oh, how <laughs> yes. nice. That's cool. I hope they are listening. If not, you know, they can go to the website and I think that they have, uh, you know, it won't be right away, but they do edit these and, and often put them on the oh, website good. so they can go back and, <laughs> and listen, listen a little bit. So how cool that is. So you teach high school I and, do. and what, what uh, courses? I have sophomores, prayer and liturgy, which is a beautiful class. And then church history to juniors. Yes. Juniors, that's kind of my favorite level so far. Yes. Um, but yes, yes I, I enjoy teaching the high school. You are in the novitiate for two years. Um, this is another time of discernment. So my students always ask, so can you ever leave? Well, yes, that's the whole point of discernment and um, vocations. So it's a beautiful time. But you actually get to go to a next step, which is your for your temporary vows. Yeah. And so we profess our temporary vows after our novitiate. Once a year, we have a renewal. So we only take temporary vows for one year, and then you can renew. So I, you are normally in temporary vows for three years. And so I took my temporary vows on August 15th, 2015 which was a, a very beautiful day. And my family was able to come mm -hmm. and celebrate that with me. And then, so temporary vows. I did not have my education degree. And we actually go back to college and get our education degrees since we are teachers. Mm -hmm. And so I went back and decided to do history, secondary education. So I spent about three years getting that degree and right now we have several sisters who are in temporary vows or in final vows finishing up their education degree, um, which is really exciting yeah. to know that we'll have more sisters to, to go out into the apostolate and be with our students there. Yeah. yeah. And then, so that's um, temporary vows. You are going back to college. You are still taking some class, classes through the convent. 
We're working on some other documents on religious life, learning more about the vows. And so just diving into that area of our life, kind of preparing us for final vows. And so that's the last step. So any time between you know, postulancy to your temporary vows, um, you are free to leave. Mm-hmm. That's the whole, it is a discernment process. Yeah. And how long does that normally take from, from you know, postulancy to final vows? It is about six years. Okay. Up to six years. Yeah. Um, you can profess your final, you can um, extend your temporary vows a couple more years too. Yeah. yeah. So there's a, it's a long discernment process. Yeah. And it's very helpful for young women, especially in our world today, to just have that time out of the world and to really be formed and really reformed into what it is to be a woman, what it is to be a bride, and and to be a daughter of the church. And so after temporary vows, if the community is saying yes and you, you have the you know that this is where God wants you to be, then you can take your final vows. And that's your, the last step to your whole new, a new beginning really yeah. in, in religious life. And then that's when you receive your ring as a bride of Christ. You are consecrated by mm. the bishop mm. at this um, final vows, at your perpetual vows. And that ceremony is, is very lovely, mm. yes. Mm. It's it's a it's a wedding. It you is know? a wedding. It's a wedding. You're yes. the bride of Christ. We are brides. Yes, yes. And and so that's our first vocation. You know, my vocation is to be his forever, his bride. Um, we do teach, but um, our we do you know our first vocation is to be consecrated to him forever, and to do his will, whatever it may be. And so that's normally when we would go out into the apostolate and we would start teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I'm doing now. So I have been perpetually professed um, since 2018, wow. so four years now, mm-hmm. and it's been beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you, you chose the name Sister Mary Monica. Yes. Talk yes. to us about that. I came across St. Monica when I was actually in Colby. I had been working with some students there who thought they were atheists and so I went online and found a patron saint or a prayer that I could pray for the conversion of their hearts. And St. Monica popped up. Mm. But I didn't really know who she was. Yeah. And um, so I actually prayed for those students through her intercession and then learned more about her. She is St. Augustine's mom. Yeah. And so, of course, my last name is Augustine. Yes. How could you not, right? I, I couldn't <laughs> separate the two. Yeah. So when how it works with our community is that we give, we're praying about our name as a postulant yes. because we receive it as a novice. And Monica was always my first, Mary Monica. Yeah. It was just, I had to come up with two other names to give mother, uh-huh. um, but I was not, you know, I wasn't really drawn to them. It was always Sister Mary Monica. I love that Monica, St. Monica being the mother prayed for her son. Mm. And in our day and age, with all of our, you know, all of the, our children out of the church, I know she is a great patron for, for all moms who just need someone to be interceding and for their, their children who are out of the church. And so she is, I just think, a wonderful saint for us. Mm. And St. Augustine, too. Yes. 
because he he can he really helps. I pray to St. Augustine a lot too that he would help my students mm-hmm. who maybe lack faith and and just need that push to to just receive Jesus, you know, as they are and because our Lord will do that too. Mm-hmm. And so we give mother three names and and then she chooses our name. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's how I receive my name. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't say this is my number one choice, mother. We do have a little uh, oh, a little bit of okay. um, we have a conversation. Okay. So mother's like, which one do you really like? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think most of the sisters have gotten the name that they're really drawn to. We definitely think our saints choose us, though. Yeah. So we have our ladies always in our name, but then we pick uh, a saint. And some orders do it differently. They pick titles of Our Lady, or they might continue with their baptismal name mm-hmm. because that's what religious life is. It's a radical living of your baptism. Yeah, it's not a sacrament. And so some orders, you know, stay keep their baptismal name. But yes, that's how IHMs choose receive yeah. their names. So, what else do you want us to know about? you about sisters of uh, um, the Immaculate Heart of Mary what would you like to share with us so we are down in Wichita Kansas our um, formation house mother house property is south of Colwich the cute little town northwest of of Wichita and so we've had our property out there for about seven years and we've been very blessed and we have I think 33 sisters now many in formation. We have two postulants, three novices, several temporary professed. It's just a beautiful growing community devoted and given to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And we are a teaching order. We are in all four high schools in the Wichita Diocese teaching, and we are in several of the elementary schools as well. But back to your your question earlier about you know the struggles of discernment oh, gosh. too. Here I forgot all about that one. Good thing you've got a better memory. Good but deal. But I think it's I do think that's important. Yeah. Because we have different, you know, the enemy does not want me in the convent. Yeah. He wants me for himself. Yeah. And and yes, and so I think it's important that people do understand that through discernment you're going to have those hills and valleys. Some days you're on the mountain, and some days you're in the depths. And we have to learn how to discern that and not um, fall into despair or, or think that, oh, God's not calling me. That's just a normal process of the spiritual life. And it's important that we come to understand um, how to, we have to learn God's voice versus the enemy. And so in my own discernment, um, I heard, you know, I think we all learn the hard way that we have to hear the voice of of God who loves us versus the enemy. And in the course, there are times that you just want to throw in the towel because you think, I must not be, this not, must not be my vocation, or you're just so discouraged because it is hard. Yeah. You know, this life isn't easy, yeah. but neither is marriage, neither yeah. is the priesthood, <laughs> neither is being single at this point in anyone's life. And so just realizing like God is with you in this discernment and you just have to turn back to him all the time and continue with that surrender and just and learn from it. So 
He had, was always with me, of course, in those difficult times in my discernment. And um, thankfully, I have a community who I can talk to, my sisters, about my spiritual life, like what's going on here, and am I called, am I, what's, you know. So just realizing discernment is, is hard, but at the end, you, like, you have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to be in discernment for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So make a decision. And when I decided to be like resolute in my decision, that's when, I guess that's when the, the struggles of discernment dissipated a little bit too. Like, no, I am, I am resolute in this. Yeah. So that's to that question. That's my little answer, I guess. And I, I think we all go through that, whatever vocation we're in, right? Absolutely. You, know, you go, you know, I always tell people, you know, when they, they come to me about, about marriage, I say, you know, there's going to be days when, you know, you're head over heels in love. And there are going to be days when you're like, I don't even want to be around that person right, right now. You know, there's, there's going to be that, but always you're committed to that sacrament, and, you know? And that is the definition of love. Yeah, is, yeah. It's, a, it's willing the good of the other. Yeah. You know, we, we can't go off our emotions all the time. My students do not understand that because yeah. they have never, they don't understand. Um, yeah, so we have to talk about what love is, what yeah. true love is. Yeah. If we go by our emotions, then we're just going to be on this, this treadmill and we got to get off of it yeah. and, and just say, I will love my husband yes. or my wife or my religious community or God, even when I don't feel like it. Yes. And that's really important. So that faithfulness to our vocation and, and that surrender to doing God's will. Beautiful. Wonderful. Thanks for tuning into One Body Stewarding God's Creation. This year, Divine Mercy Radio is celebrating Mother Angelica. And so we will end this show with a quote from Mother Why are we willing to spend eternity in a mud shack when we could have a mansion? We love you, Mother, and we pray that you will soon be a saint. You're listening to a network of stations by Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts.